flesh out of it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God that damn. Hurts so bad. That's not how you want to start one no. off. <laughs> oh. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made. Living my own personal nightmare over here. <laughs> my name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the recently maimed Kristen Pennington. <laughs> Holy levels of shit. I've, I don't know if you guys have ever witnessed this. You ever seen anybody get attacked by an inanimate object? Like, I've read it, you know, like in... Uh, Extreme plays and sci-fi stories. It. Getting attacked by inanimate objects. <laughs> Holy fuck, we found our moment. Kristen was eaten partially by her headphones right before by we... had my own headphones. <laughs> and it went... When she finally got unstuck and it yeah. like ripped off half her hand. And and we like, should probably be going to the hospital, but she's trooping her way through. Oh, it pinched in between my thumb and my pointer finger. <laughs> and had like a huge chunk of like my skin caught under this like little metal lip. <laughs> and I couldn't get it to bend back the other way to get myself free, so I had to like rip my hand out of it. <laughs> and it did not feel good. God damn. <laughs> and Jax is going to start eating. We are off to a goddamn start. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, team. As my beer says, huck it. Huck it. (laughs) And we had a hell of a time yesterday, though. Mm -hmm. We went over to this uh, brewery across the street, the Highlander Brewery, and uh, went over there and had a couple of drinks. Kristen ordered the biggest plate of nachos that I've ever seen. I thought it was a side. (laughs) Well, like, I was looking at the prices, and that's what had me fucked up. It was like, chips and salsa, $3. This other thing, $2. A cookie, $1.50. And then, like, chips and salsa, or uh, fucking... All it said was... Nachos. Chili cheese nachos. Yeah, chili cheese nachos, like, $13.50. And I was like, wow. I thought it was going to be, like... I don't know if any of you are sports fans out there, but you know, like you go to the ball game or whatever, and you get the chili cheese nachos. Or get the that little hot dog yeah. box. Yeah, yeah. that would be a little box with just literally nachos, melted cheese, and chili thrown on it. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, really fancy melted yeah. cheese, chili, uh, jalapenos, tomatoes, sour <laughs> cream, like a whole. Face-sized yeah. plate. Basically of shit. served in like a deep dish pizza mm-hmm. pan. <laughs> I think it was actually one of their pizza pans. It was fucking madness. But we, we went over there. We got way too drunk, way too early. Went to bed way early. The, the <laughs> strawberry wheat from Highlander is quite tasty. Oh yeah. So also Highlander, if you're want to be in a bidding war with Ben Montana Brewer. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jax. I'm trying to cut an ad right now. <laughs> he wolfed that down. He was hungry. Yeah, he, he, he knew we were starting something important. He wanted to get his fucking 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that was kind of a chaotic head start. Yeah. Little, like, I was ready to roll. I was in my zen. Kristen got attacked, and I stood by helpless. Helpless. I was panicking, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, it's not gonna let go of me. <laughs> so this is it. Brett, get the knife. Gotta cut off the thumb. It definitely switched the mood. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna have this nice I'll make a comeback. I have booze now, but man, I was a little panicked for a minute there. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn. Um, we went live since we've talked to you guys last, so if you haven't already, go over to The Art of Wargaming, go check them out, go see what Yago and Oni are up to. Uh, episode one was planning, and by the time you hear this, their second episode will be out. That one's called, is it Making War? Oh, shoot. I was when literally... to Make War? Something, something war. Something. I, I was literally just editing it. Never too. mind. Uh, <laughs> but they will have two episodes out by the time you guys hear this. And this will be the first edit. edit up. This will be the first episode I ever edit. <laughs> so we're we're doing lots of big changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their podcast, as of our recording today, is definitely available on um, iTunes. Where uh, we've already submitted to Spotify and iHeartRadio and all the good stuff we're on. So hopefully by the time this one airs, that'll yeah. be on those as well. But. Um, yeah, Brett's going to help take on some of the workload, so I gave him the most crash course ever of how to edit audio today that I don't expect him to remember by yeah. tomorrow, because no, it was terrible. I learned a lot in about five minutes, <laughs> and I was like, can you write most of this down so I know what I'm looking for? Yeah. But uh, dear future Brett, 
look, dude, you're only about ah, five minutes into this shit show, Good so luck. hold on for your dear life. <laughs> you know, it started with a bunch of screaming. Uh, my past person apologies to my future person self. <laughs> I also started uh, playing around with potentially changing our intro. So yeah, we're gonna try to have a new intro. Try so. to come up with an intro for this show and for the art of war gaming after we've kind of figured out how to do it and what the legalities are. Um, if any of you guys do that type of thing and want to create the theme song for the Mistakes Were Made podcast, we would also take submissions. We mm-hmm. take those submissions over at a certain. Email and that email might be uh, nightmare production. Nightmare. Ah, oh, damn it! Nightmare box productions at Gmail. <laughs> I'm recently injured. I get <laughs> You didn't get shot on the battlefield. In fucking out. Gettysburg. It <laughs> out a pretty good sized chunk of flesh, though. No, God, it was so painful to watch. It, it was. Ugh, uh, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Battle scars for the podcast. Exactly. So. It's like when I jumped up in the tree so that I could hang myself from the tree they for still the have thing we were recording. Yeah, so I got the scar from that. I felt so bad about I got, that. I got attacked by a tree. <laughs> like Evil Dead style, like it raped my palm. <laughs> uh, we got to go back and finish that one too. Yeah, we've got a bunch of work to do, and I'm looking forward to getting it done. Um, but I'm taking steps, as we talked about on the last episode. The NaNoWriMo is right around the corner, and I've made a promise to myself to write for the NaNoWriMo, not a novel, but to bang out a feature. Um, and so I've been kind of starting to get myself in the groove of trying to hit that word count. I'm nowhere near it yet, but I am getting behind the computer or behind the notepad pen situation um, every day to try to get as close to 2,000 as I can. Um I've had two sessions with it so far where I hit them back to back and I wound up getting eight pages in. So, um, 1,729 words, only five of those were curse words. (laughs) I'm proud of you. I've got eight minutes into my feature film. (laughs) How many, I know you've answered this for me before, but how many pages is a feature normally? Do you know? I'm not off the top of my head. I mean, it depends because you know, one page is one minute. So if you're shooting for 90 minutes, you probably want to have, I imagine like 105 pages, you know, because a lot of it's going to be action that is longer to read than it'll be on the screen. But on average, if you're running like 50, 50 dialogue and action, you should wind up at about a minute a page. Very action heavy right now. It's a very quiet film so far. Do you know yet where, like, do you have a plan on where you see it going? I have a very vague idea, but I'm challenging myself to, like, write this movie for Missoula so that if we did want to shoot it, we could just shoot it here in town. So, like, using things that I know we would be able to find using this atmosphere, we obviously wouldn't shoot it over the winter and it wouldn't be done, you know, over the course of the winter. But when things start to change again... Um, if we wanted to shoot it, we could definitely shoot it. You don't here. want to get out in the snow and just uh, rough it. I'm not writing any crazy snow scenes because <laughs> we're not filming any crazy snow scenes unless um, I have a brilliant idea, and then we'll shoot the ending of the movie. There's that scene first. from Fargo with the blood all over the snow. Uh-huh. So I mean, <laughs> best scene in that movie is the hooker scene. Oh yeah, oh yeah, just like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> fucking North Dakota. <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Feels good, eh? I don't know if I've ever actually seen all of that. Never seen Fargo? Seen, I think I've only seen bits of it. I have definitely seen the snow scene because you've shown yeah. me that a couple of times. <laughs> well, I have fascinations with, like, big scenes like that, mm-hmm. and I assume at certain points you've seen certain films. Uh, but no, the Fargo, the Fargo Woodchipper is... Uh, it's a classic. <laughs> I've heard the... I don't know if they're anything related to each other at all, but I've heard the TV show Fargo is pretty good too. I think it's the same idea, but I'm, I, I've only seen the Fargo film what, mm-hmm. like twice, maybe three times all the way through, but I'm very familiar with the wood chipper. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is a pretty cool scene. We get to watch Three from Hell after today's episode while we're eating chili. And it damn near qualifies for a two star. It's yeah. slightly above. There's the a solid chance that we talk about maybe it. it, it Maybe spoiler alerts in advance. It's coming up. 
um, might try to do like a trilogy um, review. I haven't seen the first one though. We'd have to go back and watch the first You've one. You've never seen House yeah, of a Thousand Corpses? You, uh, we were talking about that one time and you were like, well, the second one's better. We're going to start with the second one. <laughs> and then we never went back and watched the first one. I think one. I just didn't want you to give up on Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, if we're going to watch one, we're going to watch the second one because yeah. it's better. <laughs> if, if I only get one option, you either get to see Dwight from The Office turn into a mermaid or you get to watch a decent film. <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna do a trilogy. We gotta cram in the first one too. Okay. Seen that well, one. I'm down. We might have to do House of a Thousand tonight and fucking Three from Hell tomorrow. Um, I'm apprehensive because I've been reading reviews and because of everything that happened with Sid and mm-hmm. um, Captain Spaulding doesn't have a lot of airtime in this movie because of his you know medical issues. Um, so rest in peace to Hague, Sid Hague. Um, Apparently, this suffered last-minute rewrites out the ass and then, like, really tight shoot schedules. So Rob Zombie's already come out on record and goes, like, hey, this was not the movie that I was trying to make. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I drop the $14 so I can have those three DVDs side by side. I think it's good that they, either way, tried to include him in it. Yeah. Because... That was an iconic role for him. And that's the so. beauty of, you know, even the House of a Thousand, which is why I'm trying to go into it with an open mind. Is House of a Thousand was, if you listen to his interview with Joe Rogan, he explains the whole story, but he kind of went into Universal with the ability to pitch, and he kind of made up House of a Thousand Corpses in the pitch meeting. He was like, oh, yeah, they're like, it's just like a serial killer family, and they like kidnap these like cheerleaders, and then like these guys go looking for the cheerleaders, and you know, it's all. And then that, if you watch the movie, you can tell that Rob was probably on cocaine talking to another person who was on cocaine. It would give him like $50,000 to make a movie or whatever it is, because it's just chaos. It's Dr. Satan, where like. You see, like, right there at the beginning, and for a good part, right up until, I'd say, like, the last three quarters of A House of a Thousand Corpses, you see what could have been fucking insanely brilliant. Um, And then it takes a turn for the campy in the most brilliant way. So I love that movie. I'm not taking anything away from it. But when you meet Dr. Satan at the end, you're like, oh, Jesus, fuck. I don't have a, ah, Jesus, fuck, moment in any part of The Devil's Rejects. I love that movie from fucking beginning to end. Yeah. Um, But where they have that last quarter, uh, like, run, rabbit, run! And then the cop tries to kill all of them and that whole scene and shit. Where House of a Thousand takes that turn and executes it, in my opinion, not so brilliantly, Devil's Rejects takes that turn, runs with it, and gives you that iconic, like, Leonard Skinner shootout scene at the end, which should have ended the fucking series. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow, tonight I'm going to learn how they explain away how they all just got shot, like, 75,000 times and I mean, I haven't, to be fair, we haven't watched this movie yet, um, but I do think that concept of... Like, when you do have to do rewrites, like, sometimes they're done really well, and sometimes the rewrite saves whatever the project yeah. was, but I do think that's interesting, that concept of that at some point you're too far down the rabbit hole to be making yeah. those kinds of changes, because I know um, Lost, and I think they had originally pitched it a certain way, the TV show Lost, mm-hmm. um, and then I think, if I'm remembering right, they were told to condense it down because they weren't willing to give them as many seasons or episodes or something so they had shrunk the original concept down mm-hmm. to something much smaller and then it was so successful they were like just kidding stretch it back out <laughs> but at that point the story had taken too far of a turn to yeah. go back to the original so like i know after a certain point a lot of people are like well the show kind of got stupid and it was like because they had to go back and rewrite more well also lost happened in what in the middle of what we've talked about before the writer's yeah. strike where it was like, well, fuck, you know, it probably got extended because of the strike, but then you've none of your writers are in the room. Yeah, but that is, uh, I feel like, always a an interestingly delicate balance. Like, yeah. at what point is the rewrite saving it, and at what point are you rewriting just to rewrite, and now, holy shit, we're ruining it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, he had three characters that he really needed to lean in on, and he finally... He, like, it, 
my concern with it, right, is the Devil's Rejects doesn't have a lot of Spalding either. Because mm-hmm. um, we haven't watched it in a while. Why did they split up in Devil's? Because the cops came to the house at the beginning of the movie, and so Baby and Otis had to break off and dip set, and Spalding had to break off and dip set, and then they met up in the pimp's palace at the end of the yeah, film. because I remember that scene where he steals the car, and I knew he was alone yeah. for that scene, but I was like, I don't remember why they went their separate ways. Oh, no, Captain, yeah. I'm going to have to commandeer this here vehicle. <laughs> Some important clown business. <laughs> That give me kid. a good reason why you don't like clowns. I'm gonna <laughs> kill your whole fucking family. <laughs> I can't believe she actually like tried to like fight him off or told the kid to get in the car. It's like I feel like I'd just give him the keys and be like, yeah. please don't kill us. <laughs> Take like, the car. <laughs> I'm not trying to get mugged. I'm not trying to get my kid killed. I'm not trying to get raped by a creepy clown. <laughs> yeah, I am <clears throat> curious to see how this one yeah. goes. Because I've seen You've seen the rejects. Well, I've also seen where they were posting online, um, like, still frames from the movie, and, like, all of the still frames looked really pretty. Yeah, well, I think that's more of the concern, is that it's shot brilliantly, because Zombie has, like, this beautiful eye for film. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing with Zombie is always really hit or miss. I mean, because I think he writes his own things. You read his book, like, Lords of Salem, and it's... Please do let somebody help you. Like he's <laughs> he probably very has much, weird dreams and wakes up the next morning and writes them. Well, down. they're all really good ideas. Like he's not had a film like Thirty One, for example. I think we've talked about it before. Is that the one that has the little tiny? Yeah, the Hitler? Ten, the tiny Mexican Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant goddamn idea. It's shot brilliantly, but the execution is just like. Please get a writing friend, my guy. Like, tell the story to the dude when you guys are up doing coke. And then, like, let him iron it out a little bit so that it... it it's like you're being jolted in too many different directions. And, and unless the aim is shooting for B-horror fame. Like, he does brilliantly in that. I own a lot of Rob Zombie movies. I'm not saying anything negative about the guy, but... Uh, Halloween, I think, is his second best work, and The Devil's Rejects is his masterpiece. So I'm looking forward to Three from Hell. I vote we definitely do that one tonight. We can yeah. revisit. Uh, because you can pick up. Well, yeah, no, you can pick up from Devil's Rejects to Three from Hell. Um, House of a Thousand. It, Otis was an albino. <laughs> <laughs> And you showed me those pictures, and I was like, that's weird that they just didn't address that. It's a weird, like, Texas Chainsaw remake kind of (laughs) film. There's characters that are in that movie that don't appear. Uh, The guy who gets killed at the very beginning of The Devil's Rejects is, like, one of the key characters in the original film, only to incite the killing of the cheerleaders. And then he kind of just disappears. Like, he shoots the crossbow or the compound bow at the tire that flattens the car of the tourists. And I don't know. <laughs> None of this is on the show notes. I, <laughs> derailing early. That's what happens I when Kristen gets... my finger, yeah, so... <laughs> Kristen gets maimed right before the show starts. And I'm like, violent things! Just think of violent things! No, I am interested to see it, though, especially because it's been so long since the last one. What other ones have we not done? Like, big ones that you've not seen? Oh, I don't know. We've mentioned Well, we have to pick one for Halloween itself. I don't know. You've seen more of any of those really uh, famous sure. series Mo- I've seen have. more seen of more... them than most people that you <laughs> you've know. seen more <laughs> Halloween more Jason more Chucky and all of those than I mm-hmm. have so I've only seen up to a certain point on all of those and then uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of any iconic you've seen The Omen yeah definitely have you ever seen 13 Ghosts for Are you some... introducing that film into this conversation well for some reason <laughs> I don't know why but I guess it's the... Is that the 
Oh, I, I was thinking of that dumb Paris Hilton movie, uh, The Wax House. Or oh, <laughs> no, I have I was like, are that. you bringing God, Paris no. Hilton into the conversation no, about Rob Zombie and so then, stupid. like, Wes Craven? No, but, um, and I'm not comparing them. They're nothing alike, but for yeah. some reason, how weirdly, specifically unique and strange the characters are in, um, the Tiny Hitler one, what was that called again? 31. 31. And also thirteen thirty one, so yeah. maybe that's part of it too. It is. Um, <laughs> shut up! I, know, I meant why I have an association with it, but for some reason, when we watched that movie, it made me think of Thirteen Ghosts because Thirteen Ghosts is a uh, um, fuck. I can't think of his actual name, but the guy who played Shaggy and Scooby Doo and was also in um, Mercy Black. No, he was in Scream. Because remember that's we talked right. about that. Hey, hey, hey. Um, that guy, I can't think of his name for some reason right now. He's one of the characters in Thirteen Ghosts, and um, I think the concept is. Uh, oh man, and I could be wrong, but for some reason I'm thinking the guy who played Monk is also in it. No shit. <laughs> I think I could be wrong, but for some reason I pictured his face, and I was like, I think it's the guy who plays Monk is the dad. But a dad has like. This is two... why we need the mute button, like in the two microphones. Because if I could mute mine, I could type right now and <laughs> verify some shit and then come back on. I mean, I do have my phone here. I no, could look no, it no. up, but <laughs> I'm just. This is a random side thought I'm having. It has nothing to do with our show today. Um, but I think the concept, if I'm remembering right, it's an older film, is this dad has two kids and. I think he gets, like, an inheritance or something like that, so he has to go to this house, and I think maybe the house is what they inherit, and, um, turns out the house is, like, stupid haunted, and there are all these weird trapdoors, and there are 13 very unique, weird, creepy-ass ghosts in the house, but they're all kind of weird and over-the-top ghosts, so for some reason, 31 makes me think of that. (laughs) So when we watched it, it was like, this is, like, kind of, like, as... Extreme as 13 Ghosts, but yeah. a lot more silly. Like, you had, like, the Hunger Games, like, parent couple that, like, is running the whole show. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a lady that tricks them into coming to the house because she's wanting to, like, sacrifice someone to bring some ultimate spirit or something. I can't yeah. remember what the actual storyline is, so there's, like, that whole sinister plot to there. But, yeah, if you haven't seen 13 Ghosts, it's older and kind of silly, but it's one we should watch <laughs> or at least look up because the ghosts are so weird. I'm trying to like think of a classic that you haven't seen that we can do on Halloween. You seen the Amityville Horror? Like I have. The original? You told me you didn't like it. I don't, but I would be willing to revisit <laughs> yeah, it, and I'd be willing it. to fight anybody that wants to tell me that that's a good movie <laughs> or a good book. It was I've, creepy I at the time. The book and the movie. <laughs> I watched it as a kid. It was creepy at the time. Yeah, but yeah, I have seen it. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to re- revisit. I've, I've that. never seen The Poltergeist. Really? We definitely have to do that one. I can't believe you've never seen that. Yeah, never. It's, it's never come good, my way. It's I, such a good movie. Don't go into the light. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely the unfamiliar. The world died making that Everybody movie. goes, the poltergeist is the shit. Uh, the poltergeist has never found me. I've never been in a store where I've seen it or it's popped up on Netflix. I haven't or... watched it as like an adult. I have watched it as a kid and as I think an older teenager yeah. maybe. So I can't promise that I would still say it's good today, but I really liked it back then. And we <laughs> should do the poltergeist or find a different it has to be a classic um, fuck why can I not think of names today your mother sucks cocks in hell the exorcist yeah we should do that one too you've seen the exorcist yeah we have but we did it like last year for Halloween I think or the year before <laughs> so I mean, we I, 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 I will watch the exorcist <laughs> I know we did it one year for Halloween <laughs> the, uh, the exorcist is maybe the greatest horror film that's ever been made oh, that makes me want to go back to Hastings and buy that book that I don't there is no more Hastings pictures. oh shit <laughs> they all died <laughs> They all <laughs> died. Barnes and Noble. Why am I struggling? What, why with are you comparing today? Hastings to Barnes and Noble? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because they both have green labels <laughs> as their storefronts. I have no idea. No, we were at Barnes and Noble. Kristen gets fucked up on two Huckets. I, I, <laughs> I haven't even had two yet. I think I'm anxious about the fact that I tore my skin well, off my hand. Th- no, that's entirely the weird <laughs> clusterfuck of a podcast we've stumbled into right now. Is, is we're both panicking over your hand. <laughs> still hurts a little. Let's keep talking. Let's keep going um, with it. No, we chug on through this bitch. We went to Barnes and Noble yesterday before we went yeah, to the not brewery. Not Hastings? Yeah, not Hastings. Starbucks also has a green... <laughs> <laughs> there was a Starbucks in the Barnes and Noble. Hell yeah. Interception. Um, or in, inception. Or whatever the fuck. Interference. <laughs> Interception. <laughs> 
Uh, no, we went to Barnes and Noble yesterday before we went to the brewery, and I found this cool little book, which I wish we had like giant posters of them because I would hang the posters up. But it was a book of like all these cool yeah. stills from horror films and the poultry. No, it's one, one of the one things of that I want. I want to collect those posters. We've got a really good ceiling for it too because we've got like this. We could just, just like put the them, ceiling. line the ceiling with old. And when we went to Walmart, we finally found a box set for five classic horror films. And the little too friendly cashier woman who was walking around and would not let ideas, us leave. <laughs> wouldn't. It was like she needed a friend. She kept saying, She's All like, right, you guys I, have I a like good day. horror films. And I was like, Woman, you are 70 years old. <laughs> Do not make me break your brain right now. She kept saying, Have a good day. And then she'd strike up another conversation yeah. and we'd just be one stepping <laughs> away from her. Yeah. Like, She's okay. like, I remember when the creature from the Black Lagoon came out. I was five years old. <laughs> And I'd be like, uh, hey, um, have you seen Saw? And then just walk away mm-hmm. from her. And then she just That's another one. I've only seen, I think, maybe three or four of the Saws. I mean, I've got all of them. Could... <laughs> I haven't seen all of those. <laughs> they got a little too graphic for me. <laughs> no, they, they never get too graphic. We also found a horror game trivia thing, which I vote A horror game it. trivia and a It Monopoly and a Missoula Monopoly <laughs> and a Montana Monopoly. And I'm buying one of those three. <laughs> I vote the horror trivia. Yeah. We should do horror trivia on the game. On the podcast? On the podcast. Ooh, we should. Uh, that was one of the things I almost wrote down in the show notes was we should come up with a game we could play on the podcast. Horror trivia might be horror it. Horror trivia. But it's just you and I. we got to get neck over here to like yeah because I'll, I'll get all of them wrong it'll just be you slowly crushing my <laughs> no, spirit it'll be over like an hour played Nosferatu and I'll be like I have no fucking idea uh, I don't know who played them either <laughs> I actually haven't seen Nosferatu that is one I haven't seen no it's why I want the big collection set I used to- somebody send me the collection set I used to own one. You can send it to me at my address, no. which is... <laughs> no. no, we'll set up a P.O. box. I don't want you sending shit to my house. No, thank you. You've talked about Ted Kaczynski and everyone else on this podcast. I'm not giving anybody yeah. my address. <laughs> I started telling my mom today that I've been reading for like the past two weeks. Basically nothing but the Unabomber. And uh, I was like, so I keep trying to explain it to Kristen. She doesn't seem very interested. Mom's like, oh, no shit. She didn't seem very (laughs) (laughs) She started throwing things at you yet? Are you following her around the house yelling about technological slavery again? (laughs) Mom's got a unique perspective. My mother's uh, from England. She grew up during the Troubles. And... um, has uh, opinions about the Irish because of the IRA bombings. And when I was in uh, high school as a teenager, I tried to justify the IRA bombings and Timothy McVeigh as picking strategic targets without you know too much collateral damage. So she feels your pain. I, you know, I talk about the Unabomber manifesto. I'm only slightly Irish, so sorry. <laughs> Where are you going? To get you a refill. Oh, thank you. But what I had on the agenda today, and what I thought we could maybe talk about, oh, is this concept that you hear after a while in uh, any writer's circle or filmmaker circle, I would imagine, um, which is the concept of what we're doing right now with the premise of the goddamn thing. It's almost like we planned it. We're so fucking smart. <laughs> Is the concept of arrive late and leave early. <laughs> Which is a little ironic when you think about it. Cause in a little the film, bit too ironic. In the for- film world, arriving late to set will get you fired real fast. Uh, arriving late to anything and leaving anything early will get you fired from whatever that thing is. It's like, well, we, we run from 9 to 5. And it's like, well, I think I'm going to show up at 9.30 and leave at 3 o'clock. And they're like, well, uh, you can go find yourself another fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> I will lose my job at the animal shelter I start pulling that game but especially on a film set do not arrive late or leave early but, or on time because that's also late yeah 15 minutes early to 15 minutes early to 15 minutes early you need to be there well fed well hydrated ready to fucking rock and roll 45 minutes before anybody needs you <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God. But what we uh, mean by arrive late and leave early is that you need to get into your scene, uh, whether that be in your novel, your screenplay, or from the director's perspective. Um, and we've talked about editing faux pas in the past where you didn't leave yourself enough breathing room. Yeah. The direct shot of what is going on. Uh, you need to arrive with the character while the action is underway. Yeah. So the example that I have for you, dear listener, uh, that I have written out today, is say you have a transition where Kristen leaves work, gets home, finds Brett dead on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she came up with. You don't need Kristen's drive home. You don't need Kristen turning into the neighborhood. All you need is Kristen leaving work in some capacity um, and walking into a silent living room and then seeing and then the feet do, on I the floor. I get to do the iconic... <sighs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to see <laughs> Little Miss Patterson walking her dog down the street. You don't need... No, jump from thing that matters to thing that matters. Start with the character entering the silent living room. Um of the quote-unquote target house and then seeing the body on the floor. So you can leave the essentials and most of the time, not every single time, you can cut out the rest. You can cut off the fat. So as we've talked about on the show before, uh, when it comes to writing, write frivolously, write all those fanciful details. If you don't know how the fuck to get from point A to point B without telling me all about the songs that came on the radio on the car ride home, write them all down. And then figure out where you need to start and end those scenes and cut out that 1,500-word chunk where you've told me nothing that moves the story forward. Yeah. And I know before on episodes we've talked about um, how important it is to have an understanding of your character, like know their backstory, know their childhood, like be able to fully grasp your character so that you can write this like well-developed yeah. well-thought-out character and I feel like a lot of people in um film or writing or you know whatever whenever they're kind of new to the concept of it have this misconception that because you know the character and the audience doesn't know the character you have to baby step them into it well Jack yeah. woke up and then Jack made breakfast and Jack did I've this. I've been guilty and of it a hundred times. Like the <laughs> fact is Jack or Brett or whoever, you know, you're writing about is already at this stage of their life. They've already lived all these other moments, all yeah. these other days. So to treat it like this character was born today and you have to tell the audience yeah. everything about them. Let's assume Jack showers. Yeah. When you say, I left for work this morning. Let's assume that everything that needed to happen, you took your daily shit. I don't need to hear about it. <laughs> you brushed your teeth. You changed your clothes. I can run those thoughts through my mind. I don't need them broken down. Yeah, well, it's that, that whole concept of, which we've talked about that for like perspective before, you're taking this existing house, cutting it in half, splitting it open, and yeah. just taking a peek at what's already on the inside. So your characters' lives are... We're not starting literally from their birth. Like, we're starting from just an mm -hmm. average day in their already existing life. So, like, you start in the middle of what's already happening. And then, you know, obviously, so your audience connects or understands what's going on. You pepper in the details that need to be peppered in as the story's moving along. Versus, like, okay, let me tell you everything you need to know about this character right away. And then we'll get into the story. Yeah, we just jump right into it. Yeah. So, you need relative backstory of course and you're gonna need a little bit of the frivolous horseshit you're gonna need a little bit of the fat you know you don't just enjoy a steak that's you know nothing but <laughs> protein um so like having a frivolous conversation in the middle doesn't make sense you know you don't need two guys who are like picking a lock and going you know back when i was a kid i needed you know you don't need that but, like, right at the beginning, same two crooks, they, they walk into a diner or whatever. And they're like, hey, man, back when I was a kid, you know, like, my mother said this thing. You know, if it builds for character development or scene development or world development, you can use those frivolous details. Use them early. Use them in the first quatrain and get them the fuck out of the way. 
you don't need them. <laughs> yeah, or even, which this is weird to go back and praise a two-star that we definitely shit on, but... Um, well, we, we try to learn everything yeah. from every two-star, so if those feel too negative, <laughs> they're not meant to be negative. We but, love you guys. If any of you guys have made a two-star that are listening to this right now, we're using it as an educational tool. But to, for relevance, <laughs> go back and reach on a, a one we recently talked about, like Mercy Black started with these kids as children and we literally only saw snippets of them just playing in the woods had no idea what was happening and then flash forwarded to her as an adult and I know there are a lot of people out there who are anti um the overuse of a flashback and I, yeah. I will say I feel like this film did a good job as subtly putting in flashbacks to kind of build on the story so I do think they got that right even though that wasn't a thing we talked about on that episode but they incorporated flashbacks because at the time we had no idea she had knifed a kid or cut off the kid's yeah. finger and like we learn that way later into the film and then you build to that really iconic moment of her finger's gone yeah. so like you don't have to give away everything that you need to know about what a character's been through right at the front to be able to develop the character as the story moves on yeah you don't need every single detail at a certain point you're like oh that's just jack yeah you know that's who he is um you can show a lot more directly through a person's actions or the way they speak to assume certain things about them. Um, what's the... Fuck. You gotta help me out. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> I gotta have some kind of clue. <laughs> the original Pet Cemetery. What about it? The sister's name that had multiple sclerosis. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's seen Pet Cemetery will know what you're talking about. uh, Because I want to do the line, but I can't do the line. Uh, No, that's not worth it. Um, Like, that's a good flashback because that pertains to the wife character immediately. Mm -hmm. She's traumatized because she took care of her sister and she blames herself for killing her sister and her sister, you know lives on in her own permanent nightmare. I actually thought the way they played that up in the remake, too, was really cool. She Fucking could, like, brilliant. hear her Went rattling the dumbbell, around in the walls. The dumbbell uh, yeah. scene. That was... <laughs> I really liked that. Like, I did not like the way they ended that one, but, man, on the remake, they got some stuff really well done. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... I don't know what I'm doing today. Gotta get out early. We haven't gotten out early yet. <laughs> We've arrived late. We, we definitely arrived late, and I arrived three beers in, and now I'm trying to have an intelligent conversation, and I'm like, fuck, I kind of want to go back to talking about The Exorcist and mothers sucking cocks in hell. Um, you know, that's where it helps. That's where it helps with both podcasting life and uh, storytelling. If you have some rough form of an outline, you're going to be less likely to do what I did, in my original uh, script for, not script, uh, manuscript for the Nightmare Box, um, where I spent a whole chapter describing a guy's jog through a park because I needed to get him to jog through the park. And instead of going, he jogged out of his house and then arrived at where he needed to be to make the story go. I described him jogging through a park that we would not be revisiting for the rest of the novel. <laughs> Maybe he saw some interesting foliage while he was jogging. Well, he noticed park. a pattern of birds, and I was jerking myself off on the computer screen <laughs> describing birds in flight. But no other part of the book had fuck all to do with birds that were flying, so. Weird segue, though. You did use a very interesting bird thing in your current feature. I did. We, uh, and I'm not going to talk no, about it. we're not, but... But we learned the name of the bird that we've been looking at is the magpie. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Kristen's favorite bird in all of Montana is the magpie. It's a pretty bird. And I used the magpie in a very... I have like four you, or five... desecrated the magpie for I, me. <laughs> I have four or five scares in eight pages. This movie will be a motherfucker. This is not a take your kid to go see this film. This is a fucked up fever dream of a film. (laughs) Relevant to previous episodes where we've talked about observing your environment, though. We were on a nice, like, little drive through a more woodsy area, and I was like, oh, that's such a beautiful bird. And Brett made that bird less beautiful for me. No, it made it ten times more beautiful for me. I, 
I turned it into this fucked up little deity. <laughs> Our little romantic moment. Well, it's forever ingrained. Well, I mean, don't date a writer if you don't <laughs> want your life to pop up on occasion. Because I need to take things that are beautiful to me and turn them into disgusting, diseased, horrific moments. Because I like disgusting, diseased, horrific <laughs> moments. I listen to Marilyn Manson. <laughs> um... My last real point, um, as always, write that frivolous shit. I already covered this one. Uh, this helps with the guesswork against arriving too late or leaving too early. Almost everything can be ironed out in a rewrite and an edit. So, But why is leaving early important? Because I don't want to go on the run through the park, but I do want to have the scene that happens directly before it. There's just like this need when I was writing it where he has a small argument, not the one that I'm currently working on, but the nightmare box that I'm forever editing. Um, he has this big argument with his girlfriend, wife, whatever she is, I can't remember right now, um, which needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And then he needs to go on the jog to arrive at location B. And I just bled them all into one scene where he's like getting screamed at has a panic attack runs upstairs grabs his basketball shorts goes and runs down the street and then you get to hear all about his run down the street and then like after three miles of running down the street he finds his place so either way <laughs> uh, arriving too early or staying too late bogs down this story no it's basically the same thing because if you do that strange transition you're both arriving early and staying late. Staying late. <laughs> you're an unwelcome guest at that point, and yeah. you should get out. Well, your scenes, I read an article <laughs> or 10 today, uh, your scenes need to be mission-oriented. Mm -hmm. So something needs to happen, and the scenes do need to pull into one another, but you don't need the day-to-day -day transition. If I saw you running, I can assume when you arrived at the other place, you ran there. <laughs> so long as you don't add another character to the situation, you don't need the transition itself to be explained. Can I counterpoint this, though? Point counterpoint? Well, Fox News is bitch to death. <laughs> there are, I will say, there are exceptions. Um, no. No, no. There are. There are. There are. I mean, they're few and far between. You shouldn't, you know, just be like, oh, I'm trying to make an artistic choice here. Like, be pointed about your decisions. But, um... Oh, fuck, I can't remember the movie now. Um, and I did it for my video essay uh, about cinematography. But there's a scene, um, shoot, where the character is, like, running to, and uh, some of you are definitely going to know what I'm talking about. He's running to the church to stop this wedding because this girl he's in love with is about to marry somebody else, and it's an older film, and it's a very famous actor playing yeah. the role, and I can't think of the actor either. But, um... They shoot the scene with a wide lens because it compresses the space so it looks like he's running much slower than he is and he's running towards the camera. So you have this like, I might be exaggerating, but like minute long take of this character just running towards the camera and it looks like he's not getting anywhere. Yeah. So there are exceptions that seems like kind of like when you're watching it's like, why well, is this scene still going? <laughs> like the scene is going for a long time and it kind of emphasizes the character's panic of I'm not going to make it in time she's going to marry this no, guy and I'm going to lose this girl it, that's pacing and that's mm -hmm. different but like inside if you were to unpack pacing transition would be like point two point E you know like we're talking a very small uh, concept of switching between scenes yeah if your pacing calls for something to be drawn out, then do the jock in the park. Draw it out. Think of seven, the end of seven. Uh, how long it Such takes an to get. Scene. Yeah, how long it takes for that van to drop off the box. How long it takes for Morgan Freeman to go to the box and open the box. The whole time the helicopter is mm -hmm. going overhead. The whole time you're giving Kevin Spacey's monologue. Um, there are times to pause and cover every single detail of what's happening. <coughs> but I don't need to hear about the jog through the park unless the jog through the park is Same anything close to the scene at the end of seven. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, Buscemi.
And I've got no more show notes, and we've still got about 15 minutes to go, my love, so. <laughs> you want to talk about sucking Goxanil? Oh, God, it would be, you yeah. know, hot. <laughs> That was clever. I am a goddamn comedic genius. I'm giving up. I'm starting stand-up. That was clever. Um, I have a weird random point. Um, we went Can to... I grab another beer while you sure. get a weird random point? Will you grab that book for me while you're up? What book? The one that we bought uh, we yesterday. Bought the, well, the one that for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one for you. <laughs> Not the three for you. The one for me. Three for you and one for me. <laughs> So we Sounds went. Like I'm neglecting you books. <laughs> no, you just read a lot more than I do. So, um. I'm so smart. <laughs> we went into this local shop called the Book Exchange. A fucking right? brilliant idea yeah. for a store, though. Really cool place, and it's yeah. huge. Like, they, they've got tons of stuff, and you can either. You bring buy... a book, and then they give you books. <laughs> yeah, you can either buy books that they have for, like, super discounted prices. Like, I bought one yesterday for, like, or Brett bought it for me, actually, for, like, just under twelve fifty, and it's we normally... bought Moby Dick for four dollars and eighty cents. <laughs> well, the book that I got is normally like a thirty dollar book, and you can also bring in books you have and kind of exchange them for other books and stuff. So it's a really cool place. But um, I got this book called Digital Filmmaking One Hundred and One: An Essential Guide to Producing Low Budget Movies, and uh, it was like the only book that kind of grabbed me as far as filmmaking goes. And I was like kind of thumbing through it. And I was like, oh, there's some like kind of interesting points. And then I like, um, whenever I buy books on Amazon, I always go and read the reviews on them because there are so many books on there that I have like saved in my queue of yeah. books that I'm like, oh, eventually I'll buy that one because those books will run you like 50, 60 bucks or whatever. And uh, while Brett was like still browsing, looking at other books, I was like thumbing through Amazon, reading the reviews on it, and some of them were like, "Oh, it's like kind of dated advice, you know, like helpful points, but yeah. also maybe not so much." And um, I'd already, like I said, kind of thumbed through a couple of pages, and I was like, "Why am I debating spending twelve dollars on a book <laughs> if there's any useful advice at all in there?" <laughs> so like, like my final thought for the day I guess is investing in your passions period even mm -hmm. if they're minor investments or you know there's only a couple of good points like it's silly not to buy a book for $12 that maybe only has a couple of good points and some of them are a little outdated points but one of those points could be like the breakthrough yeah. point where you're like oh they finally I finally found somebody who explained this thing that I couldn't wrap my head around yeah, and like my complaint to you, I think when you were walking around was like, oh, it doesn't really seem to talk much about the actual filmmaking process. It's more like the pre-production through post-production, kind of just the overall encompassing yeah. process. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I want a bunch of books about the literal filmmaking. I went to school <laughs> for the literal filmmaking. Like, why am I worried about buying another book that's like, hey, yeah. angles and shots and yeah. Shadows. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I already know all I that stuff. I ask Kristen questions that sound super basic to her all the time. I'm like, why would you use blue? And she's like, well, I took like four classes on why we use blue. Well, vice versa, <laughs> you're forever crushing me at any kind of trivia or anything remotely related to knowing anything ever. <laughs> but I used a book that I bought, I think, while we were still dating. Um, we are still dating. I don't know why I <laughs> Um, Guys, we have to let you know something. We've recently moved <laughs> no, across the country. It's called The Story <laughs> Fix, and I, I used it today for the notes, talking about transitions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I, I read like a chapter out of that while you were editing some stuff earlier. And it is very important to have those... Like, uh, is that a newer book that, or an older book? I didn't... Uh, it's probably five years old at this point, but it's all about revision. Um it's important to have those toolbox builders sitting in the back, even if you don't read them. Like I've got two or three of those type of technical books that I don't read. I just, when I need fast information, I just go, the go over there and be like, okay, well, there you go. Now I know how to do that. I keep the MLA, the updated MLA is always over there just in the <laughs> event that I need to write an email. There you go. <laughs> Or a research paper. I think actually the section in this book that grabbed me was there was like a section where it was like, and then we did all these liability forms so we wouldn't get sued. And I was like, I might want to know that. Need to know a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> so like we this. have uh, dummies for podcasting. What was the really cool podcasting book you bought? Oh. It was like uh, podcasting for people that are not technologically yeah. savvy or some yeah. shit like that. <laughs> 
It's like, let me dumb this down for you real quick. <laughs> yeah, no, we went to the book exchange. We found that. I, I, invest. Invest 100% in your craft, even if it is just a $12 book. And, <coughs> and go to the book exchange. Move to Missoula. No, don't, don't do that. No, it's the armpit of the world. It's the worst place. <laughs> don't it's, crowd my tiny little corner of the world. It's terrifying here to only have like a reasonable amount of people for the amount of shit that's going on (laughs) (laughs) also uh winter is coming and neither of us have properly prepared so yeah so if you want to don't move here because winter is worse if you want to go on the website buy like a hundred copies of the madman diaries for ten dollars a piece i'll sign all of them send them wherever they're going please do because uh my winter boots died to death today and uh i don't know that brett owns any winter boots (laughs) send us money (laughs) via paypal (laughs) we're dying (laughs) alright I'm a little buzzed I think I'm ready to sign off are you ready to Mm, sign off I'm ready for chili and three from hell you know why we're doing it it's because you gotta arrive late leave early so I'm gonna leave you guys with one last quote it's from my buddy my boy Alfred Hitchcock where he said what is drama but life with all of the dull bits cut out. There you go. If you guys want to send us any um, submissions for a new theme, um, stories that you would like us to read on the air and talk about and discuss. Movies you want us to watch for Two Star Tuesday. Movies you want us to watch for the Two Star Tuesday. Um, Topics that you want discussed, and anything. Just shoot us an email. You can do that over at nightmareboxproductions at gmail. If you can only do it in like 140, you know, characters, you can tweet us your twats over at. <sighs> Don't tweet me your twat forever. <laughs> uh, that would be at nightmareboxpro. Or if you want to take a picture because you're illiterate, you can send that to Instagram <laughs> at at nightmareboxproductions. Find us over there on Facebook. Share us with your friends. Share us with your family over at. Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. As always, you know, like and subscribe on the iTunes. Run on over to nightmareboxproductions.com dot blog. The nightmareboxblog The nightmareboxblog <laughs> Buy the book. Buy Get the Madman Diaries. copy before they're out. Yep. Buy the, Ma- buy the Madman Diaries. $10, no matter where you are in the world, I will send you a copy of it. And you can watch The Dolls, which is Kristen and I's movie. Um, it's up there in the top right hand section or you can go over there to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington and you can watch everything that she has uploaded over there we'll be adding to it we'll do some sort of a video element to this thing and there's also uh, as winter is approaching the impending documentary about our death so uh, (laughs) keep an eye out for that (laughs) it's gonna be a wild ride too I love you, sweetheart. I love you. I love you more. I love you most. You are a liar. <laughs> We're going to go watch Three from Hell get hammered and eat chili. I love you guys. <laughs> and your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> <laughs>